as I see no immediate term bankruptcy risk for Tesla, which if I did see an immediate term bankruptcy risk, people might put me in a straitjacket because they have $5.4 billion on the on the balance sheet. Uh, how are they going to go bankrupt if they have that? But we'll see what happens with their near-term deliveries in quarter one and quarter two of 2020, especially with the coronavirus out there. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 55 of the Tesla Q podcast. It, as always, if you'd like to become a contributor to the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Tesla Q podcast and become a monthly contributor. There's actually some new content out there for subscribers. There uh, is a little video that I made. The video is free to anybody. It's actually also on YouTube in addition to being on Patreon. But if you want the link to the actual spreadsheet, you have to be a patron. You can be a patron for as little as $1 per month and still get access to the spreadsheet. But what the spreadsheet is, is my estimate of the earnings that are going to be announced on Wednesday of this week. I'm recording this on Monday, January 28th, 2020. It's actually after midnight now, so it's the 28th. But uh, tomorrow... Wednesday, the 29th of January, is when Tesla's going to announce their quarter four earnings for 2019. So what I did is I took estimates that other people put together, looked at their estimates, assessed whether they were high or low with, with the different line items, and made my own estimates. And I actually further refined it from the video this evening when I saw uh, Bill Maurer's Seeking Alpha article. So there's an updated version since yesterday when I posted the video. And as I said, you can get a link to the spreadsheet if you're a patron. On the last episode, episode 54 of the podcast, I talked about narratives. And clearly, Elon Musk is still in control of the narrative. We had the sudden unintended acceleration petition, which uh, that news came out on Thursday or Friday of the week before last. Clearly, that had essentially zero impact on the share price. Subsequent to that petition news coming out, there was also a class action lawsuit that was filed on Monday, January 20th, 2020. Same day that Tesla put out their their press release about the NHTSA petition about the same issue. Uh, but I have yet to see the class action lawsuit be mentioned in a news article. So if any journalists are listening to this, there's an opportunity there. There may be an article out there and I just missed it. Not sure. Uh, another thing to note, which reminds me that I need to, to go buy a physical copy of this, is that Bloomberg Business Week last week, the cover story was about Tesla. So it had a, a picture of a, I think a Tesla Model X going up and to the right as Kimball Musk thinks all share prices always go, but it had some, some dollar bills flowing out of the back of it. So there was a lot, of, a lot of people expressed different thoughts about that and what the meaning of the cover art was, but the, the story associated with it was written by Dana Hull and another person. Apologies to the other person, I just happened to follow Dana Hull on Twitter, so I 
I'm very aware of her work, but it was about the whole Tesla Q phenomenon of people who are skeptical of Elon Musk and Tesla. Something you may have noticed on Twitter, if you follow me recently, is that I, I've temporarily changed my name on Twitter to the Tesla is overvalued podcast as opposed to the Tesla Q podcast. As I see no immediate term bankruptcy risk for Tesla, which if I did see an immediate term bankruptcy risk, people might put me in a straitjacket because they have $5.4 billion on the, on the balance sheet. How are they going to go bankrupt if they have that? But we'll see what happens with their near-term deliveries in quarter one and quarter two of 2020, especially with the coronavirus out there. As I mentioned, it's January 27th, 2020, actually the 28th in my time zone. But uh, huge news recently over the past week or so is the coronavirus over in China. I don't know how many cities they have quarantined now. I think it's in the teens, maybe approaching the 20s of different cities that are uh, quarantined for this virus. The Shanghai Gigafactory 3, which over the weekend, Elon said that that they're going to stop using numbers in association with the different Gigafactories, but use the name of the large city or area that's nearby. So the, the Buffalo factory is going to be Gigafactory New York, even though it has not even a kilo worth of, of employees. Uh, but apparently they're going to start using some different nomenclature. As, as I did in prior quarters, when it was clear that Tesla was not going to have positive earnings, I referred to their quarterly reports as their quarterly financial results, not their quarterly earnings reports. They did report positive earnings in quarter three and they most I would be shocked if they don't also for quarter four so I'm gonna I'm gonna revert to calling it an earnings report for quarter four 2019 for quarter one 2020 that's still yet to be determined I'll just say right now that I will be shocked if their quarter four results aren't within the range of 150 to 400 million dollars on the bottom line I will say that my base case in the spreadsheet and video falls within that range. And I had a tweet earlier this evening that gave kind of a, a confidence interval around that. I have no idea if anybody looked at it. it seems that my uh, my patron Patreon links on Twitter get very little engagement. I think that's probably partially the Twitter algorithm, but who knows. But as I said, Wednesday is Tesla's quarter four 2019 earnings. So we'll probably see the 10K document no earlier than Monday of next week and maybe not until about the next Monday, which will be like February the 10th or thereabouts. I, I don't have a calendar in front of me immediately, but that's that's a lot of intro here. So that's not this uh, that's not the primary topic of this episode. So in the prior episode, I talked about narratives and how important narratives are and how controlling the narrative is basically the impetus of the entire Tesla story. And Elon Musk has been fully in control of the narrative since December 6th, 2019, when he was declared not liable for defaming Vern Unsworth the same day that he was negligent. uh, Tesla was negligent in not yet replying to Senator Ed Markey in the Senator's request for information about Tesla's autopilot. And also Tesla had their third general counsel leave the company within about a 13-month period, maybe maybe a 370-day period, actually, um, as Jonathan Chang left. Obviously, uh, Dane Butswinkas left back in February, the very morning after Elon tweeted that they would produce 500,000 cars in 2019, which did not happen. 
which he later backtracked and said that they were going to be producing at a rate of 500,000 cars by the end of 2019, which maybe also didn't happen. Tesla's vehicle production capacity as of the ramping up of the Shanghai Gigafactory 3, assuming the coronavirus doesn't uh, keep them from being able to produce cars, is about 600,000 vehicles per year. So they have the factory capacity for that now. There's also the, the Gigafactory near Berlin, GF4 under the previous nomenclature, which is uh, going to have ground broken on it soon. Very interesting aspects of that, that place. There apparently is some um, some World War II ordinance that's still around, and they're having to, to sweep that, make sure that there aren't any random explosions during the construction process. And there's the forest that's going to have to be partially cleared to build the factory. Elon is trying to, to produce some damage control, some narrative control over the weekend, and said that the the forest was planted to produce cardboard, which might be true. I actually have no idea. But Elon, via his, his tweets, is attempting to control the narrative. And that's, that's what the large majority of Tesla's history as a company has been about, is controlling the narrative. So that's a lot of words that I've already said. We're already over nine minutes into the recording here. And I haven't even started the actual episode, which is... The Ballad of TQP. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the narrative of how I ended up starting this podcast. So stealing the name from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, a Coen Brothers film. The Coen Brothers have, have made some, some excellent movies over the years. My, my most favorite of their movies is Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which has an excellent soundtrack, which that soundtrack, I would say, kind of ushered in the age of Americana music that has uh, sprung forth over the past probably 15 years or so here in America. I'm recording this in America. I will, I will give away my, my country, uh, as if anyone would have not guessed that. So how did, how did the Tesla Q podcast come to be? Why would some random, random person in America decide to start a podcast talking about Elon Musk and being skeptical of, of things that Elon Musk says. I mean, everything he says is true, right? <laughs> no. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with, I'll start with April 2014. Uh, I could go further back than that. Actually, I will go further back than that. We'll go to the spring of 2008, because I, I had a, a, a memory sparked from that just like 20, 30 minutes ago. I had to share it with my wife. Actually, it was about an hour ago. So, spring of 2008, I, the host of the Tesla Q podcast, sometimes known as TQP, except I haven't interviewed anybody in a while, so I haven't requested that someone refer to me as TQ in a while. Uh, but I was on a team in a competition, and we did a product development presentation, and we actually placed in this competition... And the product that we pitched, I saw an ad for essentially the exact same product with the exact same branding uh, just this evening on Facebook. And it, it, it struck me and I had to, had to show my wife and say, ah, product development. I, was, I am very, very loosely tied to this product, even though we never did, I never did anything with it. But 
But still, that was the, the spring of 2008. Very same spring, I took a school trip to a location and met a very famous investor. And while nothing immediately came about from that, as far as me as an individual investor, I think it did kind of plant some seeds in my brain that, that later sprung forth. So that was the spring of 2008. So ironically enough, that was also right around the time of uh, the financial crisis. It was actually before all the big stuff hit with the financial crisis. I think, I think it might have been, I forget the timing of the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy and the, the Bear Stearns bankruptcy, but they were right around that time. And on that school trip, I actually heard this extremely well-known investor talk about one of the two of those items and and there and how his company was involved in in uh in that whole ordeal but uh moving forward uh in april of 2014 i moved to a new to me city and uh helped my company start a new office i was i was very motivated within my company and and very ambitious at the time. In the summer of 2014, I visited a financial planner and purchased some whole life insurance, uh, had a, a retirement plan laid out, started started looking at, at retirement, what that would look like, how my finances would look, um, when I could expect to retire, that kind of thing. And even as of that time, I had, I had not yet started investing in individual stocks on my own. I did have a 401k already. I had a Roth 401k. I didn't, hadn't really internalized the difference between a Roth and a traditional, all that kind of thing. But, but once I did that uh, financial planning, started my wheels turning a little bit. Finally, in October of 2014, I started my very first individual trading account and and bought my first shares of individual stock. And a few of those I bought uh, bought companies that I felt like I knew well because I worked in an industry that was adjacent to these companies. So I was like, oh, I've, I've been thinking about buying this company for years now because they, they were really valuable back in 2008 when, uh, back when the price of oil and gas was high these other companies' share price was really high, so I think that that could happen again. I, th- I think the price of oil and natural gas could go up again, which was was not correct because of fracking and numerous other things, but I didn't know all that stuff at the time. I was still pretty naive and a newbie, but there were companies that I had heard of and, and bought some shares in, and, and I bought some other companies as well. Um, one particular company that I purchased ultimately did really well. I'll talk a little bit more about it later. So in the fall of 2014, I took a trip to uh, the opposite coast from where I I live with my two brothers. And I remember checking stocks uh, on my my phone while we were on that trip. There were a few that had already done pretty well. Uh, One in particular, which is the same company that affected me later, had gone up a ton, even though I'd only owned it for just a short period of time. So that was kind of my first foray into seeing some some nice gains in my individual trading account. 
uh, in September, October of 2015, I had, uh, had a little bit of a shift where I started to be, become a little bit less ambitious with my job and career. And I started to really, really, really get deeply into listening to podcasts. A lot of, a lot of my most favorite podcasts were related to investing. Um, so that became something that I did a lot. I listened to a whole lot of podcasts. I decided that I would, uh, asked the, the girl that I'd been dating for a long time to to marry me ultimately through that period of time. In 2016, I discovered options as an investment uh, device, I guess, or tool. So that was uh, that good and bad, I guess. Um, and my the, the company that I mentioned earlier, which actually has a part of the reason that I invested it in the first place is because of their capabilities in autonomous driving and it had it it started to have a pretty fantastic run in 2016 even more so in 2017 Uh, you could probably guess that company if you know what's up but uh, in 2016 I I got married to that girl who I asked to marry me in a creative manner I'll say and uh, in 2017 early in the year I had a very uh, what I at the time thought was an awesome, awesome win with some options with that same company that had gone up considerably when I was checking my, my investing account on that trip with my brothers in 2014, the same company. Um, so that, uh, I guess in a way was, was kind of bad because it, it caused me to, to use options probably a whole lot more than I should have. Uh, and to, think of them in unhealthy ways, I guess. But uh, also during 2017, that other company that I mentioned that was involved in autonomous driving had a ton of success and had appreciated tremendously. Um, I think within 2017, from my purchase price in late 2014, I think it was up more than 10x. So I in 2017, I think late in the year, I also discovered the whole fire movement, which is... Uh, Financial independence, retire early. So, started reading some of those blogs. I saw that those people were almost dogmatically religious about just using index funds, and I hadn't. I myself had been individually picking stocks and had done really well. I recognized that almost all of my performance was based on this one company that had done really well, which I should have taken a little bit more to heart and and diversified a little bit better, but. But I, I started because of all these people in that movement that have reached financial independence and and done so with just index funds. And because I saw that my own performance was better than index funds, at least at that point, I thought, oh, this sounds like a, a pretty good idea. So I started thinking, well, if these people can do it with index funds and if I can do better than index funds, then... Maybe I can retire super, super early, at least compared to 59 and a half or whatever. So that was something that I think got pretty deep into my, my psyche and mindset and became a pretty overarching goal for, for myself. And then in uh, early 2018, actually uh, two years and two days ago, my grandmother passed away. And on the very same day that she passed away my portfolio hit 
a milestone for the first time. Uh, to me, it was a big milestone. So that, again, uh, so part, part of the whole desire for being able to retire early is the idea of having more time to spend with family. So that confluence of events uh, was, was substantial. And at the time, I'd, I'd started to pretty rigorously track my performance. Like I was, I was putting my positions into my spreadsheet every single day and, and seeing how I'd compared to the S&P 500. And I was doing really well at that time. And that continued beyond that, actually. Uh, so I shared these goals of wanting to retire early with my wife. And she expressed some doubt. You know, she'd heard all about the the internet bubble and the 2008 housing bubble crash. So she was concerned that if we did that, well, what if what if we were invested and and there was a market crash? What what would happen? So her her doubts kind of crept into my mind and made me start thinking about well because I already had had started to use options and knew about put options. I was like ah. I can, maybe I can figure out how to make money on drops as well. So maybe I can uh, be okay in a market drop. So that, that whole concept got pretty deeply into my, my brain. I think, I think subconsciously at the time. So that was still, still early, early 2018 timeframe. Another, another aspect of the TQ story is that in early, I think maybe at the beginning of the year in 2018, I started a new work schedule where every other Friday I'm off work. So um, with my whole wannabe fire movement mindset and options trading and everything, I thought, oh, I, every other Friday I'll be able to, to be at my computer and look at charts and make good trades and make a bunch of money. So then, uh, so early 2018, every other Friday off. And uh, I think it was February 5th, 2018, I think was a Friday. I might be misremembering that, but it was one of the days that I was off and I was at home looking at the computer and the market did not do so well that day, at least on the long side. I think Jen probably made like 20% that day or something, but a pretty huge market drop showed that my wife's fears or, or somewhat showed that my wife's fears might be warranted. Um, probably hurt my confidence quite a bit, but probably also further caused me to think I need to be ready for a market drop so that I can profit off of it. So that desire, I think, ultimately got deep down in my brain and and is part of what pushed me towards the, the Tesla Q side of things, ultimately. So my desire to to quicken retirement, I think, has led me to have some, some bad investing patterns. I've probably used options too much, probably sold some good companies too early, One one of which I have shorted some recently and and plan to short some more in the future because it's currently valued insanely. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably know what that company is. KJ Styles, I know I know you know what company it is. A uh, few others of you as, do as well. Um, but I think I think part of what I've learned through this whole process is that I probably tried to accelerate retirement a little bit too too much. I think some of the the early success with with that one random Canadian company with the options and the other company that is somewhat involved in autonomous driving that had an outstanding 2016 and 17. I I, I think seeing some of those early successes, I think messed up my mindset a little bit. And just just today, in fact, with a little bit of an exchange with with Mr. Jin on Twitter, 
I I saw that I, I know that he doesn't use options and that's probably a wise move. He uses margin though. So he he does juices returns with margin, but he doesn't do it through options. So there there are a number of different ways to accelerate your returns. I'm not suggesting that you use margin, but if you use margin with a an intelligently set stop loss, that's actually in a lot of ways a whole lot safer than exposing yourself to theta burn with options. So just just a little something to keep in mind. But I think really probably the the bigger lesson learned is just to be willing to be patient. Like don't don't get ahead of yourself. Don't think you have to to beat the market by threefold or anything crazy like that. Beating the market by just two percent is still beating the market. So don't don't get don't get over your skis and don't think that it's a bad thing to want to have more time, especially if what you want more time for is to spend time with your family. Uh, we had a very very tragic occurrence on Sunday with the news about Kobe Bryant, and that's really brought a lot of perspective home. Obviously, he had plenty of money. He had a helicopter. And he wanted to do lots of things in life. And we have, we all have limited time. Most of us have limited money. But yeah, I, there's not much to say other than spend the time that you have with your loved ones. Take care of them. Do what you can. Don't take it for granted. Be as generous as you're able to. And don't, don't feel bad about wanting to spend time with your family. Even though your job or or other things may get in the way. So spend time with your loved ones. Don't get caught up in money too much, whether it's Tesla related or otherwise. There's lots of things in life besides money. So cherish time with your loved ones. And we'll call this the end of episode 55 of the Tesla Q podcast or the Tesla is overvalued podcast. As always, go to patreon.com slash podcast if you'd like to be a contributor to the podcast. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye.